0: You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum, here with Ryan Tevez. Busy week, man. Yeah, we've been doing it. We had the Talkville episodes. We had, uh, you know, ads and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, intros, outros. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of stuff. It's good. I just had, we just had a guest that just left. Yeah. uh, Nestor Carbonell, who I love from Lost and Bates Motel. What a great guy. He'll be on uh, Down the Line, so you want to listen to that. What a great story you know but his uh, parents immigrating from Cuba. It's a good one. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, he was he was special. You know, I did this thing I haven't talked about it a lot but I will. But um this is unbelievable. It's uh it's called Prenuvo. It's this uh body scan. It's it it you, you it's like an MRI but there's no radiation. It's not harmful or anything at all. But you do this body scan, complete body scan and it will detect so many things that could be going wrong that you aren't even aware of. You know, cause you go mm-hmm. and they're, by the way, they're not giving me any money. I just think this is amazing. And I did a scan, but, um, you know, they detect stage one cancers, all of them, except leukemia. Wow. So if you had a mass, it would show it and you could treat it so much earlier than you would have if you didn't you know, mm-hmm. it's just pretty amazing. But, uh, I posted something on Instagram on stories. I haven't posted on Instagram, but I'm going to post it. Once my results come back, They res- my results come back in a week, but it's, I, I, I recommend everybody doing this. I think this is going to be part of the norm. This is uh pretty incredible to be able to see if there's things going on. It's not just cancers, it's other things, abnormalities or whatever. But, uh, if you want to try this scan, it's in selected cities. Um, you know, uh, use my code for uh, $300 off. It's prenuvo.com/michael com slash Michael P R E N U V O.com slash Michael. It's, it it's going to save many lives, many lives. They see it all the time or they see a stage one cancer or something. And, um, I was just curious. I was like, you know, I want to kind of jump on that stuff, uh, the health stuff. So I, I got the scan and I was nervous. And then when I went in, it was really cool. It's laid back. I was in and out in like an hour. And, um, I watched Seinfeld during my scan. <laughs> and it was cool. So again. What's the deal what's with the scan? A, what's the deal with my body? Someone help me. Scan me. I wanna know. Hey. Jerry. All right. prenuvo.com p-r-e-n-u-v-o.com slash Michael. Um, what else? We got um lots of good stuff going on. Um, we were just at a con, Tom and I. Um, we were in Vegas, and then we were in Dallas, but we've got these new art pieces on the Talkville podcast website, talkvillepodcast.com, and uh, they their original pieces of art. We hired this artist, and she made only 55 prints, and we're selling those autographed. A lot of cool stuff there, and on the inside of you online store, we got ship keys, Lexmas scripts, and tons of inside of you cool merch to support the podcast. And last but not least, of course, um, join Patreon. Patreon uh, is the reason why this podcast and Talkville are surviving. And that's the honest to God truth is because patrons who give something to the show, um, listening is enough, but if you want to give something great, Um, go to patreon.com slash inside of you. And uh, also, the band sunspin our album just came out you, you can stream it for free everywhere or you can get merch and cds and stuff at sunspin.com that's it our handles for inside of you ryan uh at inside of you pod on twitter at inside of your podcast instagram and facebook that is correct we mm-hmm. love and support love the support and uh write a review it helps the podcast all that jazz um this next guest is someone i just adore uh you know I had this i was at a con and i met him and then he was giving me a massage because i had a big knot in it (laughs) um you know this guy from so much he's he's a great director he's a great actor it was just fun he very he was very relaxed in the studio he came in here and just put his feet up and just kind of went along you know he just is is who he is and i love that I, i had so much fun with him um you know, from Star Trek and the movies and, the you know, he's directing episodes. He's working on the new Picard. They've got a reunion thing coming up and you got to check that out. That's why we're airing this because it's about to happen. Um, so you want to listen to this and find out the inside scoop on a lot of these actors. But uh, yeah, without further ado, let's just do it. Let's get inside of Jonathan Frakes. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. inside of you with michael rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience i take my shoes off yeah you can take your shoes off what about my pants you know well you know i don't mind but you know what's funny is kevin nealon once he just lied down and it was like you know he just put his hands behind his back
1: do you listen to smartless um i've listened to an episode or two it's great they just did dana carvey yesterday and i i walked the dog listening to it and i i was roaring in the street people looked at me like i was insane really carvey is he was on fire he did all of his people all his impressions he did church lady to george bush and and he did himself interviewing different characters
0: that he does it was really brilliant you know what's funny is when i was a kid my parents, I was they always made me babysit my brother. I never I never went to a high school dance. I never I never left the house. They just kept me trapped in the That's house. That's why you got me here. Yeah, I would look you're, around. You're you. comfortable like this. Look away. Um and I remember I would watch SNL and I had nothing better to do. So I'd memorize all the sketches and the voices and oh they'd come God. home and I'd go Which era is this? Uh this is the eighties. So this, it was like that, um, it was the that, same thing. So it was like hello again, it's the church lady and yeah. this is church chat oh that's the kevin nealon era too No, kevin nealon era so that's what i really grew up with and then into the sandler phase obviously but um yeah i I, but i always would do impressions and stuff just to get attention and get people to go oh you know and that's that's kind of like you like attention don't you i'm a a, a bit of attention whore yeah i mean i never got attention as a kid now, you hear that a lot, and sometimes you know, people need attention. Do you feel like you got a lot of attention had growing up? I plenty of attention
1: growing up, yeah. You did? Yeah. Your a parent- lot of actors didn't, though. And my, my, actually, my parents, my father especially, was very happy to have me be an actor, as opposed to a lot of actors. Why is that? He was a film buff. He loved John Ford, and he used to make me watch movies, and he was a teacher. And a, he, he, his thing was, you got to do something that you
0: really love yeah but wasn't he also was it hard because he was a a, a book critic for the new york times oh, fuck. so if you did a project weren't you going oh my god he's gonna hammer me he's gonna look at it a, a certain way and the
1: whole thing about him we could do him should we start on jim dr L- james L- r frakes let's do it i tell a great story i think about when he died uh years ago and i inherited his uh the books that he had taught of his teaching editions of all his books. He talked Hemingway, Faulkner, Joyce, Henry James, you know, the contemporary guys and all that shit. And he was, um, so he was very loved teacher and uh, would go back and reread his novels before he taught him. So he, one time in high school, after having read uh, um, something, I said, I'm ready to read Ulysses, he, Joyce says Ulysses. <laughs> Portrait of an Artist as a Young Man, which you have to read when you're in high school. Right. So he said, uh, Jonathan, you're really not ready for Ulysses. You can't handle Ulysses. I said, okay, Dad, fine. So he's dead. I'm now probably 60. I'm my little library in Maine, which looks like this room, and a pull-up, and I'm getting very sentimental because I got a chair that was his chair that he, when he was given this special chair, and it's got this, this Lehigh University on the back, and I'm sitting in Dad's chair, and I take the uh Dog-eared Ulysses out of the thing, and I said, "I thought this will be a great moment. I'll have a moment with my dead dad." And I open I do about two paragraphs, and I'm fucking lost, completely out of my realm. And I said, "Yep, yeah, you're right. you can't handle Ulysses. Been, I'm 62 years old. I put the fucking book back. I haven't taken it down since." You
0: never read Ulysses? I still. I'm not
1: ready. I can't handle Ulysses. Obviously, my dad was right. You can't Shit. handle Ulysses either. I, I can't you ever read the
0: what you, you never read Ulysses actually? No, no yeah, no exactly. I'm not gonna lie to you I read some Nietzsche and I was lost but I know uh, just Nietzsche even cool. Nietzsche's even easier to understand I, yeah probably I don't know but, I is uh, that Harrison Ford next to you that is Harrison Ford that's uh Raiders of the Lost Ark you ever see that movie oh uh, I watched uh
1: the Raiders I was just I just finished a, a <laughs> I just finished a Hallmark Christmas movie really there's some tea there you didn't know that did you no, I didn't,
0: See? I but I hear a lot of people are doing those now. I notice a lot of actors, you know, they get paid well, I guess. And they, it's, it's a great gig. And Picardo was on it. Picardo had a day on it. So I saw it, somebody had a nice evening with him,
1: but I, I get home cause we were on two to two because the, uh, Biltmore hotel, the, it was a Vanderbilt Biltmore hotel. The story's at Christmas, a Biltmore Christmas, but they stayed open during the day. So we worked from two to two so you get back to the hotel. And on the movie channel was that movie- Raiders of the lost Ark Raiders. Jurassic Park, the original Jurassic Park. So about three o'clock in the morning, while you're winding down, there was something to watch.
0: What were you, first of all, a Hallmark movie, is it just something that you can easily just walk through? You kind of learn? Well, I still worry about, or more than ever worry about holding the lines.
1: And I I, I was, I was playing the, um, sort of the caretaker, or the caretaker of the uh, Biltmore estate. So I was doing the tour. So I had fucking pages of chatter about who this is, who this mythical character is. And it's, it throws back to a 1940s movie that was shot at the hotel, and so so I had a lot of setting up, pages
0: of. Why pack, do you pack. accept something like that? Do you stress with it? Money. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, why would you? Do- <laughs> right, but but let me ask you. I mean, do you, when you read something, you're like hoping. Do you now hope I don't have a lot? I hope I don't have a lot of. Oh ideas. yeah,
1: I hope his faces only. <laughs> you
0: know? Because it's probably. I mean, when you look at all these pages, like how how long does it take you to learn maybe a couple pages of dialogue? I can. It takes me ages. My wife, as you know, I'm married to Jeannie Francis and
1: I just sent her off to work and she literally, um, she's doing eight shows in five days this week and she does 30 pages of dialogue a night, some nights and she will look at him for, she's been doing it for 45 years. She'll look at the dialogue and if she has a lot of dialogue, maybe 40 minutes. What? Wait a minute. And then she gives me, and she says, okay, let me see if I have that and she gives me the script and she fucking kills it day after day after day after day after day how intimidating is that well it's again it's because she's so good at it that only you know expands my paranoia <laughs> about it but she also has a muscle that very few people have she's been yeah. doing it since
0: she was 13 or that's 14 a rarity a lot how about of people, you are you good with lines you know i think i was better when i was younger but yeah. like now it, it de- definitely scares me if someone says hey they want you for this it, you're going to shoot monday and it's a friday and you gotta it's see like it. you got to make sure you read it i didn't read the Oh, yeah, I got it. I just took the job. I and then like, where you, once you accepted it, you're like, oh, fuck. Well, I knew the director.
1: I worked with John Putch, who was the director. He used to, actually was on Star Trek. And Putch said, do you want to come do this job? I don't know what you'd make, but you'd make some money. Picardo's going to be in it. We'll fly you to North Carolina. For if We'll do try to knock all your stuff off in a week. So why wouldn't I say yes? Don't you say yes to when a
0: director asks you to do a job? No. Really? Not unless I really want to do it. Wow, you are different. You don't need the money. Well, it's not that. I mean, you 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 don't need the money.
1: But don't you love to work? No. And I'll get to the point of here. You like this. Um you, you you can fulfill you have enough hobbies that you don't have to be working. Yeah, it's
0: weird them. too because uh, I talk about this ad nauseum, but like I does not talk about this ad nauseum mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah, I I I love acting. I I I did it in high school. I did it through college. I did theater. I did off Broadway stuff like you did and you know, I had that bug, but I think part of me, I'll just be honest, was like, I want to be on TV. I want to be in the movies. I want to be seen. I want to be. And even though I studied hard and worked hard and really took it seriously. So when you got it, there, was, was-, there was an element of fun for me. Like, it was like a fun thing. And then, but the work. I think a lot of people don't realize they think it's just easy and fun all the time. They and, all
1: think it's fun until they come to visit you. And then they, they say, wait it. a minute, you work it for 12 hours. regular Why I said, are you doing, the, are you doing the same
0: fucking scene for oh. six hours? And so look, it's not that I don't want to act. It's that if I'm going to do something, it's got to for now, it just got to be something that i'm like oh this is, this would be great this is with a great director or this is this could this could do that's something. what i'm saying
1: if a director that you like calls you and offers you a gig, oh well, you like, yeah like that's a, what i meant that's what punch, oh, okay let yeah. called not say, any director but yeah no, no no but a director that you know and mm-hmm. like yeah like let's say yeah. let's say i'd call
0: you because i used to be a nice little director i mean you do, you're a big director now you direct a lot i mean we've been talking but i want to talk about like you talk about your dad and i i could see when you're telling that story how you remember it's so vivid, and I could just see the room you're in, and yeah, and just well, he was a, he meant a lot to you. He he was great. He Were was your great. mother and father both really good parents? Maybe. Um, my dad
1: was a uh, a, uh eccentric and didn't like to travel. His traveling was going out in the porch to have a cigarette. You know, my mom wanted to go to England and Ireland and all. You know, so there was that. He worked his ass off. She took care of us. He was diabetic, so she made sure he got fed at all the right times. He um, he was the muse to a lot of, I grew up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and we lived, it was, you know, half of, a, uh, half of a house, and we were, you know, a steel town. And my dad, we were a weird family because we were, he was an English professor and we weren't steel workers. We were next, next door to a rabbi who used to paint the rocks, and it was a really eclectic, weird neighborhood. But the kids I grew up with who became songwriters and musicians and poets, would come to our house because we had modern art on the wall. It was weird, but my dad was like a mentor to some of these kids who were my oldest friends. One of whom I just visited last week, and uh, he would he would give them Rilke or whatever. He'd give them some poetry to read, or he'd talk about. He was so he was such a loving, gentle, sweet, ironic, funny, um, kind of uh, sarcastic.
0: Was uh, he affectionate? Yeah, but not... not. Would he give you a hug? Absolutely. Would he say, I love you? Absolutely. I'm proud of you? Absolutely. Oh, there
1: you go. Yeah, all of the above.
0: See, that's beautiful. All of the above. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill,
1: and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. And I like that.
0: Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's a great thing. Yeah. And and was he the kind of father that would ever like question something you did? Like, Hey, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah. You're ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> are you sure you want to act? I'll share this with you because I feel comfortable. All right. I had just moved to New York.
1: And uh, so I was, I guess just out of college. And my mom comes, cause I lived an hour and a half from New York or I grew up an hour and a half from New York. So I'm in New York. My mom comes to visit and you know, this is in the seventies. So you got your little portfolio with your eight by tens and, between I was working as a moving person for the Walk Up King and his trustworthy stepbrothers, which was the worst fucking gig in the world, and then going to auditions. And anyway, my mom comes to visit. And because she's there, I'm in a cab and we're going to dinner or something. Cause you know, you take a subway if your mom's not in town. Right. And I stopped by the uh, the pot dealer to get my little nickel bag of pot. Right. And she said, What is that? I said, Oh, that's, you know, that's marijuana. And she said, So I put it in my little acting bag and we go on. Apparently when she went home and told my dad, she just, she was so freaked out, so freaked out. And she didn't let you on to- No, she did, I could tell, but she was trying to be cool. She was desperately trying, but my dad, when I saw him the next time I went home, he held my face like this and he said, Jonathan, Jonathan, lie to her.
0: (laughs) 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 And I gotta say,
1: it's it's not great fathering, but it's kind of honest fathering, right? Right.
0: I, you thought he was going to say what I was waiting for. No, the, don't do this. Don't. No, but he said, "Lie to her." This <laughs> oh his my advice. My God. Were you tight with your like? You had a you have a, bro- I have a you brother. Yeah, brother. Who brother. Died. Yeah, he was awesome.
1: He was he was the cute one in the family. Really? Yeah. I'll tell you one You're more. anecdote thought about my dad before. Before, he also when he was talking about uh, giving the birds and the bees, talk about using a condom and how you have to respect women and all you know all the right things on this sex talk and he finished the talk and we had to go upstairs and get to the bedrooms and he went up the stairs and he stopped in the landing and he looked back and he said and don't forget sex is beautiful and he left and went upstairs
0: how old is he at this point he's dead oh no at this point not not now when he said this to you he's dead
1: well i was a kid you know i was whatever you are 13 so
0: what was he? In his 40. I remember a stupid story as uh, my friend Emil Camacho, he was at his dinner table and his brother Jose, his older brother got a woman pregnant. Mm. And the table was really quiet and uh Mr. Camacho was very, you know, soft spoken, didn't say many things. Like when I call, I go, he goes, "Hello." And I go, "Is Emil there?" <laughs> no, Emil is not here hang up right <laughs> you know so he's at the table and terrible uh filipino accent but i could say it because you know my mom, that was my, filipino i don't know what it was but Oof. my stepmom's filipino my my childhood best friend i'm just saying i'm i'm covering my ass yeah. i love Filipinos. you covering Coy. your racist I'm ass my <laughs> racist ass and i remember he says i was sitting there and i was drinking my you know, eating my soup and my father goes you could have sex with the girl but don't get them pregnant like your brother and he spit out his soup and that was it but it's like hey you know uh yeah that's the same talk but kind of in a different uh, but in front tone. of everyone yeah in front of everyone in that's front of everyone horrifying. um when did you know you had like this like love for acting like this is this is what i want to do
1: it changed I, I i did like you did i direct i acted in high school I acted in, in uh, junior high school i was always Were you popular I was sort of popular because I was in so many things. I was in the band and I was in the glee club. I was in the drama club. No sports? I was on the track team. I was really bad on the basketball team. I was so bad in the basketball team, I didn't even start. And then I was sort of moved out by high school. So I was, I did track and cross country, which were not really sports in high school, as you probably know. Yeah. Wow. I was in the band. I was in the marching band. You in the
0: band. You played trombone? Played trombone from the get go. Trombone, trombone was the
1: instrument you chose you know, well here's how i chose i was in fourth grade at jefferson elementary school in Bethlehem, pa and in the public school at this time again this is now the 60s the school district or the school gets a certain allotment of instruments and fourth grade is where the music starts so i think there was one trombone two trumpets two clarinets, you know whatever the fuck it was and they said frakes stand up okay you got the longest arms you get the trombone you get that and you get the flute and you get the clay so that's just like that bam trombone and you loved it i did love it well it was an absurd you know i like
0: the absurd it's really an absurd instrument it is that's it's a cool instrument and i didn't even know this you would know this he was on the album Fisher's album hoist it all happened across the street from where I live, from the, the, he the, lived, you lived across the street. I won't give the address, but you lived across the street in a house supposedly like Jimi house Hendrix your, lived in. Yes, and you played I, trombone.
1: I lived next to Paul Fox, who produced, among others, the late great Paul Fox, REM and Bjork and Jacob Dylan, and he was he was wonderful. And the guys from Fish, who he also produced, obviously. Came to his house and hung out, and the mailbox at that house across the street from you used to be my mailbox. Was a cow. You ever seen those cow mm-hmm. things? And it was dented because so many people had hit it. As I'm sure this whole drive, this whole yeah, street. it happens. It happens a it. lot. It's it's sort of the cow version of that of the largemouth bass mailbox which you see out in the <laughs> yeah. country, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was dented to shit, and so it was a landmark because that's when you knew when we got to my house or to Paul's house. So. They knew I played trombone because they watched Star Trek and they were big fans of the show and all that so kind of wait, stuff. So
0: wait, Trey Anastasia's there. Yes. From Fish And
1: John Fishman, who I still know. And, fi- in and they are there with you. They're there with me and they asked Paul to ask me to play trombone on their album they're working on on Saturday in a studio out in Did they know Weston. you were good? They didn't. That's the story. So I'm invited out and I'm so psyched, as you can well imagine. I get in the studio. They put the chart up on the, on the music stand. It is beyond my capability because I am only good, or was at that point only good. Now I r- really have no lip at all. But the chart was too high. It was too fast. It was it was completely. Oh, yeah, it Bad- and I can. attempted it. I went, больш- wi- at at tod- bout- movie- so I played what I thought, you know. And he said, "Okay, let's start again." And we and it was it became clear really fast to me. But they were being very patient. The engineer was being patient. We try and try. It became very clear that it was not. It was not, not going to work. But so they ended up hiring the trombone player from Tower of Power who was a monster and but the but the outtakes of my attempts to play the charts on whatever song it was I was meant to play on were saved and became this twenty nine second cut on Hoist called Riker's Riker. Mailbox is the name of the song. Obviously ne- it felt Riker. On. He played Riker, a next generation boom. Come on, and it was my mailbox. It was my outtakes, and it's and and Paul, God bless him, gave me a gold record. I got a gold. I got a hoist
0: gold record on my wall, framed. God, I used to. I was I was listening. Were you a fish guy? I was fish in college. Yeah, before any of my friends. I can't spare a moment on the dog faced boy. Ooh. I won't lend another hand to the warm girl of Hanoi. Don't deplete my oxygen for the guy who's turning blue, but ask me and I'll do anything for you. Remember that one? Beautiful. Oh, well. You know. Let's go out to dinner and see a movie. <coughs> that's the one I remember. Oh, yeah. Dude, they, yeah, they're great. My friend, I have a friend, Kent, who goes to every fucking fish concert. He's been to hundreds. I'm like, how do you go to hundreds I know, of that's concerts? I That was that's what the Deadheads used
1: to do. I just can't so listen So you're like yeah. 10 years or more younger than me so you're in a, an era that, i'm 50 yeah i'm 70 so you're 20 years younger than wow me.
0: so i look 60 is what you're saying well you were talking about the 70s <laughs> 80s because i was thinking about your influences were in the 80s if my influences were in the 70s my influences really were the 70s too i mean i I love I love the seventies. My my dad was a big hippie. My mom kinda liked the pop seventies stuff. Uh-huh. She loved Joni and Carly Simon and she, you know, she was doing Valium and uh, you know, imaginary snow angels in the carpet yeah. listening to that shit all fucked up and uh and my dad was into Zeppelin and uh My dad brought home the cream album from a student of his John not Charlie, John Barleycorn, was no that, no, that wasn't Cream, that was um this is
1: uh Yeah, Cream Ginger, of course. Baker, Ginger and, Baker the drummer, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Clapton. And he liked Jack all that Bruce. shit. Well, he was a jazz guy, but uh, he thought maybe I'd like it, and he was right.
0: Do you still go to concerts? When's the last time you went to a concert? I what saw concert was Paul,
1: it? Paul Simon and Sting together at the Forum. How boring was ago. that? I thought it was
0: great. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding! I love both of them. right? <laughs> I love both of
1: them. And then I remember Sting saying, because they, they traded back and forth, and occasionally they'd, uh, you know, they'd do a song and a couple songs together, and a couple. And Sting said, well, I, I hope Paul doesn't hear this. And he told this great story about when he was traveling in his station wagon around the south with his band, I guess a pre-police band that Sting might have been in that toured bars. Right. And he said, uh, we used to play this. And then Sting sang, we all came to look for America. And it was,
0: wow, that's ref- cool. It was just him and the guitar. It was great. And this was at the Hollywood Bowl? No, this was at the Forum. At the Forum, the fabulous Forum. I love Forum. the Forum. Yeah. That's where Forum's we used to go to the today. Lakers Yeah, games. Oh, See? yeah. I love the form i've seen some concerts there i saw the eagles there and um you know i'm i love that you play the trombone i think it's just amazing
1: um i love that i'm across the street from my only trombone i mean that's that's probably my coolest credit is that i'm on the hoist album
0: what do you mean
1: what do you look at all the
0: look at all the work you've done no no but
1: i'm saying in terms of cool
0: you don't think playing, uh, you know, in all these Star Trek no, movies I think and directing that. Commander William Riker and all the all the no, stuff? No, you don't think that's cool?
1: That, I think it's very cool, right? But I'm saying of the of the other part, you know, you know what I mean when I say cool. This is the, I Riker's what, what I'm
0: yeah yes. like for me i ha- i just came out with a, a new album and uh my band's called sunspin and i thought it was really cool that richard blade who's like the 80s guy dj he has first wave with richard blade and this next band is a band called sunspin and and he played and i have it and i posted it but he played it and talked about the band and loved it and played it um, see and i thought that was one of the coolest things see, i didn't know you had a band yeah called sunspin yeah I, I look. I always loved music, and I was like, "Do you play out live?" Um, we we did before the pandemic, and now um, we play live virtual shows, and that's a lot of. Is fun. Is that live virtual shows? Well, we're live, uh, yeah, and people are watching us. Do you live. play at the cons? Um, I you know I play sometimes. I'll play acoustically at like little round tables and things, and play for some people and play some songs. They but love you on the, on the circuit. You're very well loved. You are. No, so are You're you. Like I think it's important. How do you when you go to these cons? Do you, um, hey, look, people, that's don't, why we're here
1: together. Yeah. Cause we met yeah. at a con. We're not and instantly con. loved you. Exactly. And I felt the same way. I felt, tr- I trusted you enough that I was going to drive to your house to do a fucking podcast, which <laughs> I never, I, I, I tried to get out of it three times. I said, well, don't you zoom like or any other fucking podcast where you think there's no cameras. Then I find out there are cameras.
0: It's got to be in person. It's just more. I feel you. Tangible. I hear you, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. you you dug in on it i had to <laughs> well when i like someone i'm like i gotta have them as a guest and you know not all guests are that open um not all the guests are you know but yeah but the list of the people that you had i've rolled through some of i mean they're all great they're, they're all great but i mean
1: the, i checked in on, i told you i checked on nathan right i texted him this morning and i checked it on ww will whedon and they both said oh please say hi to me so great he's so self-effacing he's so prepared
0: he's so they both said glowing shit about you. that's awesome it really is that's really nice By the way, working with Will, did you know a lot of like the stuff? Because he's obviously an open book, hence his books up there. So, you yeah. know, did you know a lot of the things that were going on personally no. in his life at all? He kept it from everybody. Well,
1: and the, his parents were there. And we thought it was a copacetic family. We thought everything was hunky dory, that they were just quiet. We well, had no idea until he started to go through whatever he went through to find. He, by the way, is great at this. Have you seen Ready Room? Yeah. I he's, saw you on there.
0: Yeah, he's really really. He's just so to it. well read and so like does the research. Does knows what he's talking about. But you do about. too. He's
1: also got what you he makes us comfortable. He's also very present, which he's which is essential, I think in yeah. this in this job.
0: And he really loves Star Trek he does he, he told me l- those stories where he would go in early and look at the ship and go in there before he even started working and all that were you was that apparent were you like this kid just wow this kid's no act-
1: he didn't feel
0: like a kid to us i'll tell you the, the i mean, this is a story that i tell
1: all the time but i'll share it with you so that you can have it in your in your tape <laughs> my that, repertoire in your repertoire <laughs> you've probably heard it already no D, uh, when he he grew up in the show obviously right so he turned he started when he was 13 maybe so he turned 16 he got a driver license and he had enough money he bought a he bought a honda civic which was the same car that patrick drove at the time right wow so we finished work together at, uh we finished at the same time one day we're walking out of the out of the sound stage to go to where our cars were parked and um he's feeling he's full of himself right he's 16 years old he's he's got a car he's going to the parking garage he's going to drive his car home he just worked on his TV. so uh we're walking back to the garage he says you know freaks I can tell by the clothes that you wear and the music comes out of your dressing room. You used to be cool, didn't you?
0: <laughs> oh, my God. You never heard that story no. before?
1: That's one of my big convention stories. He said that. Oh, and I quote him and I bust his balls for it every time. What did you
0: say at the time? Did you laugh? Of course I laughed. I thought As you were f- like, fuck you, kid. I, exactly.
1: <laughs> I think I, I laughed with the fuck you kid. But... Uh, <laughs> So he he's I, I never <laughs> oh, let him live it down. He's amazing. That. He's an amazing
0: human being. He really is. And I just you know it's it's tragic. It's like hearing that story where he sent a letter to his parents and and said everything, and they just didn't respond. I know. And it just did you do you remember reaching out to him at all, saying hey, if I'm here, if you need me? No, we said that in how we behaved to him, which is what it makes him say to us
1: that we were his family. He we treated him as an equal. I think in a way that he wasn't treated maybe on some other. Maybe at home, right? Which we none of us knew, and I always think of myself as a pretty good observer of human behavior. We were all in the dark about it. We've and we've talked about it privately behind his back. I said, "Did you fucking know?" I didn't fucking know. No idea. But he is so eloquent about the relationship, how important that his relationship is with us, and we with him. Yeah. He brings when we're together in that rare time we get to do a panel with everybody. He brings a level of sincerity to the panel and inform he's so informed that doesn't allow us to get sarcastic or um what's the word i'm looking for you um you've you, you, you've done this before. surface yeah very exa- surface yeah, and he, doesn't not- al- he doesn't allow any of us to go into that pat kind of answer world because he's sincere and he, wow. and he wants and he listens
0: and he he's a very special man that's amazing you know um i've heard a lot of stories my friend troy lives in um up in vancouver and i was asking him some questions about what he knows about you and he goes i just know that i've heard that the cast has always really gotten along that they all for the most part really like each other is is that honestly true absolutely true it is true and
1: we've both been on shows where that's not the case. right i mean and still get along we're about to do all all this promo card right card season three is you're about all to drop. coming
0: back the originals yes it's
1: it's it's a, i am giddy about it I, I i feel as excited as i did when uh first contact was opening it feels like that big a deal to me and i know it's not and i know i shouldn't get excited but the buzz and the uh you know it's not supposed to be a reunion but clearly it is a reunion i mean yeah and and it's I talked to Brent today. Today's Brent's birthday.
0: <laughs> Happy birthday, Brent Spiner.
1: And uh, he said, oh, there's Bertie. LeVar's shooting Hawaii, uh, NCIS Hawaii. So LeVar was calling from Hawaii. He said, oh, yeah, take Bertie. I'm going up to see uh, Michael. He said, oh, I love him. He's a nice, this is Brent. So again, the third part. You got to have Brent on. It, Brent's a great guest.
0: You know, uh, I, I was thinking, you know, Sir Patrick, right? right? Who doesn't insist on being called Sir, unlike Sir Ben Kingsley, who does. Oh, so then I'll just say Patrick's Stewart. Yeah, there we go. So Patrick Stewart. So so Patrick Stewart. But you feel sir, like you must do it. I right? know. Now I want
1: to. Sir. When you have Brent on, Brent does as good an impersonation of Patrick as anybody in the world. Really? And I've never you, heard of an impression. If of you man. really get him, he'll do Patrick Stewart talking to sir Ian McKellen. and their their accents are just different enough that it's hyster- it's like with Dana Carvey when Dana Carvey does wow. characters, George Bush talking to the church lady. Brent doing Patrick talking to Saria is priceless.
0: Oh, you guys have to I yeah, start uh, tweeting Brent Spiner now that he has to come on the podcast. Um, but how does I worry about, you worry about lines. Sometimes mm-hmm. we we worry about More lines. More now. Of course, yeah. now as, as you get older. But then you look at a guy like Sir Patrick Stewart, who's 82 years old. You're directing episodes of Picard. I mean, A why is he st- why does he still want to do this he has nothing to prove right b how does he do it those hours are excruciating right. and how does he learn those lines right 82
1: he does it because it's in his blood he's been acting he's another one he's been acting his whole life he got into the royal shakespeare company he was very very young he's never stopped acting he's one of the world's finest actors he likes that he likes being that, sure. And, and uh, you know what? It's like obviously we maybe you may don't you don't feel the same way. The set is kind of our home. You don't
0: you don't miss the set. I uh, do. I do miss the the feeling, the the interaction, the connection with with people, and being creative and mm-hmm. coming up with things. I do miss that. Um, no, I absolutely do miss that. Yeah. Anyway, Patrick is an early riser he goes to bed
1: having known his lines he gets driven to work so he's working on the, on the way in he gets made up and and uh, so we start early with patrick and we get patrick's work done with any luck by lunch or just a little hour an hour or so after lunch so we give him the producers and the directors the first half two-thirds of the day and then somebody else will finish up so he doesn't do it have to do 13 straight anymore however He insisted on doing seasons two and three of
0: Picard, which was 13 months straight. So. Did he have to convince the studio that he was, he could do this and he wants to do this and he doesn't want to be. They went to him. Well, of course. They asked
1: him to do, uh, you know, they pitched him a show. He said, here's what I want the show to be. And then that's where Picard came from.
0: And how is it directing him? I mean, you've done it for a while now. He's. He's putty. Absolute putty. Like
1: he, he doesn't give you any grief. He doesn't give me any grief. No. He knows if I'm coming to him, I've either got an idea that he inspired, or that he maybe missed a moment that he may like to try. Or um or he'll say, I know Johnny. Act better. And I'll say, Yeah, that would be great. Or his other thing is is I know how to fix this. I I know what you mean, Johnny. Think faster watch here we go let's go we've been that simple wow
0: but he's um we've done a lot together a lot of i mean you've together. probably seen as how many years have you been doing this since since next generation 30 next generation is 36 years ago 35 30 So of ago. all the movies you directed two of the movies right? right two of the they were big blockbusters right well they made we 150 mean? million dollars yeah I mean that's a big thing but you've directed all these people many times i have <laughs> i mean do you ever have any problems like does it ever get like a family because we know families they love each other and then they also go well, get well get with the fucking program why yeah. isn't
1: that well it, that can happen on the set i and then i have to say <laughs> it was, you know let's figure this shit out <laughs> right but um i generally of I I'm not a big confrontation guy right so if if they're if they're dug in on something said you know by all means do it you know especially with lines we we, there used to be such sticklers when we did next gen you had to do it by the book every every line no consonants and and now people have started people respect that less which i think is a huge mistake since the writers have been working on these scripts for fucking months sometimes years you got to give them the respect to do them the way they're written at least attempt to make that come to life you can't change it willy-nilly so occasionally that's that's an issue i was trying to defend the writers a little bit Mm -hmm. but um people misbehave sometimes because they're tired because they're angry about something at home well you know yeah things happen things happen and 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 you try to compartmentalize and not bring it to the set but shit happens shit happens yeah and I'm pretty good about trying to keep the keep it light that's my approach right I've I've it's you know the cliche is that we're not you know we're not curing cancer we're really just making a TV show let's
0: although it it appears that way when you're working the intensity of like what we're doing is so also what's the most complicated way we could possibly do this let's do it that way
1: yeah
0: it's true we have to make it cool. We have to make people are going to lose their attention. We have to move the camera more. We can't. It's none of that simple shit that I miss. Yeah. Where you just put a camera there and let the actors back, we're do it. we coming back to that.
1: You think? I think, I think there's gorgeous cinematography and, and especially all the new Star Treks we're, we're encouraged to shoot sort of cinematically and filmically. And as Robbie Duncan McNeil says, you shoot the thrill and, but you got to get your story and you got to get your close ups, and you got to yeah. see what, as I say, when let's get in here, and see what they're thinking and that's that's kind of sometimes not sometimes you want to know what the fuck they're thinking you want to know what they're feeling and if you're zipping the camera around and, and you're missing that sometimes and that's uh
0: yeah do you ever have uh moments where you're you're a jamma right there in the guy's close up close up it's just right it's it's Yeah, choker choker chin to top of the eyebrows, and it's there. And you want this moment, and you just are not getting it. Yeah, and you just keep and you feel bad, but they're just you got to learn
1: when to cut fish or cut bait or whatever the cliche is. Yeah, how many times what
0: percentage do you usually have to walk away going that's not exactly what I wanted? I don't have to do it with any of those
1: regulars on that show.
0: It's the guest stars,
1: yeah, it's guest stars, and you and if the guest stars you don't know, If, if and then. Or, or inexperienced actors, you think, oh, you're not, there's no getting there. Or, the, or I just haven't communicated it clearly enough, and I'm just embarrassing everybody now by asking for another take or trying to rephrase. Or we'll fix it in editing. I know how to fix those. Yeah, cut on somebody else and get somebody to do the, loop the line exactly. the way you have done. But um, as you experience is, as I said to David Ajala, you know who David Ajala is, who's the, the male, He's like the male lead on um, Discovery. He's was partner and lover. And uh, I said one time, because there was a young actor, who was, uh, he wanted to do this and that. And I said to a child, just offhand, off the side of my mouth, I said, God, experience could be a real burden. So I... <laughs>
0: <laughs> he, and he loves that quote. He brings it up every time I see him. Experience <laughs> him. is a, burden. Experience it's a burden. a real burden. Do you feel like when you direct... Do you, let's say you jump into a show that's already three seasons in, two right. seasons in, five? you don't have to watch every episode of what the fuck's going no, on. No, but you got to get somebody to tell you which ones you you should watch. If you're if you're going into... So usually the creator will tell you.
1: Yes, yeah, somebody, the creative will tell you, here's our six best shows, and this will give you the tone. And then the producing director of the show will sit down with you and say, here's how we do shit here. Like um, Nathan's show. Right. Castle. Um Rob Bowman, who was one of our favorite directors on Next Gen, was a producing director on Castle. And he had me in, he said, oh, I think you'd be a good kind of a big brother figure to to Nathan, and I know you worked with Stana because she was in the librarian movies with, with Noah, so I knew the two leads. And he said, I think you'd really be a good fit for this company. But don't do any multi-move uh, uh, dolly moves. I don't want to waste my time with that, so don't do anything clever where you come of the elevator and bring them down the hall. and I don't need any of that shit. And get me three sizes on the stars in every scene. Those are the, the marching orders. Couldn't be more clear, right? You go to Falling Skies, which was was, was Beeman working on that? Greg Beeman?
0: Beeman. Do you work with him? He I love Beeman. He's he's the one who tells this next story. Beeman's awesome. Beeman and I wrote a show, sold a show together. Beeman was the showrunner on Smallville. He wrote directed oh, a lot of, of the big episodes. he was. Yeah. Yeah, so he was the we,
1: producing director on, on Falling Skies. He's
0: awesome, and he's we'll got a big him. brain. He's got a big and brain. He's, he's a, big a kid. He's guy. a big kid.
1: Yeah, he's a big kid. But that was that was a Spielberg produced show, and Beeman's uh, approach when he sits down with the directors coming in to do. And I was doing that show because I, I was a friend of Noah, and uh, Noah was a star there. No Dolly. No, no, that was uh, Falling Skies. Was it's meant to look like documentary war handheld footage.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. So you follow everybody around and you don't have to stay on with the dialogue and go and see what people say. So you stay in a shot as long as you can and the camera's on somebody's shoulder and that's the way the show looks. Totally different. But you have to know when you go, I mean, you don't go into these shows and try to fucking reinvent the wheel. Well, I'm going to do right. Falling Skies right. on a crane and <laughs> I think what I'll do is I'll say way back here and we'll, then you don't get hired back. No. You have to know, like you said, you have to market. know the show. Right. Because the, the show. people who are going through, with their uh remote they want to recognize oh there, yeah, there's ncis or there's star trek or there's castle
0: you know yeah. they want to recognize their show and how much work does it take when you get a directing gig on a tv show <clears throat> how much how much time do you have you get the script and then you have a couple of weeks yeah you got it you got the episode before yours you're in actual prep
1: with the production right but hopefully you get a script before that. So you can start to break down the beats. I break a script down as I did as an actor, you break the script down with the beats Mm -hmm. where you know, each beat has its own intention and all that shit. So I, I still break down a script that way as, as a director, so that I don't miss a beat when I'm trying to get shots and all that business or talk to the actors. Right. So hopefully you have a script, but you know, on television, you often start an episode and the script isn't completely done. I mean, it changes constantly, it changes constantly, but you know, sometimes you have, act you're shooting and i mean it's illegal now you can't start allegedly with a without a full production draft but it it used to happen really they just keep writing it as it went along wasn't that the way on smallville
0: i mean sometimes but they usually had the scripts the scripts were pretty they were pretty solid but they would change a little bit but you never started an episode with um
1: act one and act three and an outline for the other no i
0: don't remember doing that that would have been that would have drove everyone crazy exactly and that happens or it, it used happened. to.
1: It happened. Yeah, it used to happen. It maybe didn't get to the floor like that, but you would some. You would often start prep. Oh, we're sorry, we don't have a full production draft for you, but come, we're going to do a meeting with the production designer. We'll talk about what we think the sets will be. Then you'd start your meetings, but you'd have like a five-page document that said what they think the
0: episode's going to be. And that's oh, a bear. That's <laughs> yeah. And just imagine you, you, you used to, and you know this. You filmed on with film. Yeah. You are shooting film, and oh, now, that's right? I mean, how you you don't have a lot of t- you. I've done a show, I, I did a show
1: where the episode that I prepped was scratched either the day before we no. started shooting. Yeah, and Paul who who is my writer on that, he and I stayed up for 24 hours and he rewrote a script and he, he talked me through it. And by the time we were ready to shoot, we had a brand new script. It must've been two days because we had to cast and people. Were you stressed? In. Yeah, Mike Trucco ended up being in it. John Delancey ended up being in it you know all those you
0: know all of our guys and that's stressful for actors as oh well my
1: god what about the script this is where you call and say i think you're going to play the devil in this are you cool they're going to fly you up that's when you do what um john Putch did with me i got a part do you want to come i like that you do yeah you don't i'm going to try to wane you over i don't i don't know i <laughs> you know
0: well don't get mad I didn't get mad. No, I mean don't get oh, don't mad. Don't get mad if, when you turn me down. Yeah. It's not well, you. Let's talk about Brent,
1: who I've known and who I love for many years. Right. I have been told by Dean Devlin, who I work for all the time, who's a big fan of Brent's cause he tried Independence Day, which, you know, mm-hmm. Brent's great in. Um, Dean said, I've tried to get Brent to do the show. I've offered it to him, but he's I said he said, This is a great part. He says Frank's on one of the things I was episode, I was directing, he said, offer it to Brent. I said, you want me to call him? He said, yeah. I said, okay, I'm sure. I called Brent. I said, dude, I got a part, a guest starring part. Uh you're sort of a uh Jeff Bezos kind of, but you're kind of a hippie, you're a, a tech magnet, and you have got the women, and you know, you're he said, Where's it shooting? I said, Well, it's in Glendale. Oh. So I'd have to drive that from <laughs> from Malibu. I, I said, dude, it's thousands of dollars and th- and you get to hang out with me all day. We're gonna have a good time. I don't know, Johnny. If, offer it to somebody else. If they turn it down, I'll do it. <laughs> oh this is my friend with an offer. So <laughs> you're going to be that guy. You are clearly going
0: to pull well, a Brent I know, spider. If, if, I
1: can tell. If, you don't have to fucking lie to me. If I if can tell what it's going to be in like. in
0: Glendale, it's actually pretty close to me. So I think I would consider like that. It's not like we're going, <laughs> not
1: going to Toronto. In, it's not a Saskatchewan. It's Glendale.
0: Or, um look you've had a a lot of obviously a lot of success a lot of fun you you're doing what you love you've been married to the same women since what 88 88 been with her longer than that that's 12 20 how many years is that 35 36 36 years I mean you have stories that you could go on forever about but I know that you've also had some tough times right I mean we all have I I lost a sister a couple years ago you lost your brother um, how do you, is it something, you know, sometimes they say it scars over, but it's always still there. You always think about it. Um, um, how, how do you deal with that now? That's a really good question. Um,
1: my brother who died of pancreatic cancer at the age of 41, um, the week that my daughter was born was, uh, as I said, a friend of mine, dear friend, we lived together in New York. We lived together in LA. We drove across the country together when I came out here. So we were really thick as thieves um since i'm involved in this thing with armin shimmerman and kitty you know who kitty swink is who's armin's quark oh yeah, yeah, yeah. armin's wife is kitty who's a 19 year uh pancreatic cancer survivor so she asked me to get involved with this organization called PanCan. i've never had a charity that i really believed in in my heart i'm happy to help people out and do it i you know we work for the food bank and all a lot of stuff and is, but this is my brother so i got a story you know you have a story with your uh, as you as you try to raise money, so being involved, like thanks to Kitty, has reminded me a lot of Daniel because I talk about him more now. Like this, this wouldn't have come up. I don't think had a it not been a thing that I've been talking about. I like it. I like thinking of him. I like talking about him fondly. I have great memories of the time. It would. Uh... Which joint should we have? Which joint? This is the we had we had we had two bags of pot in, in the in the 1967 chevy sport van and the big decision was when we pulled over to because i like to fish at night so we'd pull over someplace but fish he'd roll his what? eyes and he'd say which pot are we going to smoke i said okay you you decide i'm going to fish wow
0: i love it that's daniel i mean um when it happened was it just obviously shock Oh yeah, but he was he was yellow. He had jaundice. We took him into the hospital. For how long was from the beginning he was sick till you lost him? Oh, not even
1: six months. Five months. They they opened him up. That's about that's the whole pancreatic cancer thing. Nobody knows you got it. They opened him up. I guess they closed him up and looked and said, doctor said, was well, there's nothing we
0: can do. He's got six months to live. Here. I mean, he wasn't quite that cold, but those were the facts. But you had no idea until they called you like the, he was that sick. No idea. So who calls you? My mom and says, Daniel's, you know, he's got to go in the hospital. So it, we could see
1: it was really bad. So Jeannie and I flew out and then we got the bad news together. And then actually for part of his last few months, he came in the home with us in our house in, in LA, but he was, ugh, and he had a daughter that he didn't want to see because he was embarrassed that he was sick. And also he had been divorced from the same woman twice. And he's, it was a very complicated-
0: Oh my gosh. How did you lose your sister? Well, it was my dad remarried. And they had a child, little Leah May, who I have her tattoos on my arm, and she was born with a chromosomal defect. So um, she was always in hospitals, right. always, right. you know, back and forth for a while. And then that's where she lived, but she was, she couldn't really talk. Mm. She kind of laid there and she, they, you know, they thought that she was gonna pass away right away when she right. was an infant. They, they said most of these children pass away early. It never. And she was like one of the longest cases. She lived till like 14, 15 oh. years old. And in and, that condition. In that condition. And oh. just, I mean, probably almost died 30, 40 times. Right. And, you know, my dad was not an emotional person. Was never, I would never not you know, wasn't affectionate. Wasn't I never saw any of that ever. It was just like, go do the, you know, it was just, you know, very hard, very old school and whatever but when I called him and he and she had passed I've never heard someone cry like that yeah. it was jarring it was absolutely oh. jarring and you know people don't know what it's, it's like also to has, it's a, been held up for 14 years that that's you hit the nail on the head yeah, exactly. and a lot of people they don't know what it's like to lose a child most people but that's as close as I will come to knowing what it might feel like by oh. hearing my father how did your parents were there something well, they, they ironically, didn't talk about my father who, <clears throat> who we spoke about earlier my father
1: never recovered my mom and i mourned my mom and i wept my mom and i <clears throat> excuse me i think dealt with it very well or as well as you can or as realistically as you can my dad my mom and i said for many years my mom lived to be like 94 my dad died when he was like 77 so she lived a long time after him and um we're both convinced that because he was so damaged by daniel dying and it's so unnatural for him you know yeah that he had alzheimer's he had really
0: bad alzheimer's which may or may not have been connected to it could be triggered absolutely yeah and then you talked briefly when we were making cough in the other room you were saying how hard it is to you know to watch him slowly decay you oh, know with alzheimer's it's alzheimer's brutal because i watched my grandfather yeah it's brutal it's just like in like your and sweet paul who i spoke about earlier this producer had early on Alzheimer's, right
1: and he just died and he was he was your age or a little
0: he's in his 50s so he was really yeah for years and my grandfather was brilliant well read a lot
1: of them that's the other thing my dad was brilliant a lot of people with alzheimer's are big brains so maybe I, maybe I'll get lucky. Yeah,
0: because I don't. Both, <laughs> of us, a, both of us should that, be fine. <laughs> we, sh-
1: we should be okay at least for that one.
0: Hey, were you uh-uh. ever were you ever fully yourself at all? Was there ever a time where you're like, I'm Jonathan Frakes. <sighs> I'm a good-looking, strapping, tall movie star director, and you got you were caught up in your own shit, and you had to get through that. Um, on the set last week, I I had been walking
1: back and forth. There was really strict uh, security at this uh, Biltmore Hotel because it's a museum. It's got mosaics and Gauguin's and it's a Vanderbilt estate and all this shit. <clears throat> but when I was called to the set, we, we, we go up a ramp and I had my little acting bag with me and I had my suit on. And for days, I'd just been walking back and forth into this hotel past this security guard. So one day, he says, I got to look at that bag. And I thought he was fucking with me. So I said, oh, drop the bag. And he did not find me funny at all. And I was with this PA who, who who I'd been entertaining by being an asshole. I'm like you, you know. I like to entertain. <laughs> oh yeah. You know. Okay, here comes. Gotta Frank. get a laugh. Exactly. Gotta get a Gotta laugh. Gotta get a laugh. This guy wasn't having that, so he said, "Who's your boss?" So asshole move number two. I said, "Well, I guess you are." Sit out on that bench. So it was clear. It was so clear that my shit was not funny and this guy was dead serious and he wanted to look at my bag. And uh, so I opened my bag and he looked. I said, what are you looking for? He said, well, we're looking for guns on the way in and people steal stuff on the way out. And I felt my mom and dad and and my guilt of being a, a uh, whatever you just asked about, and, and a, a privileged. Right, right, right. It all came storming down on me. And I looked at in this security guard in the eye, I said, I really didn't mean to be that rude. I am really, really sorry. And I was I was so complicit and it was so, uh, you know, cause i I'm sure you've gotten in trouble this way. Sometimes you just oh, think yeah. you're funny and you're just not fucking funny and people think you're just it, an asshole. Yeah. This was that moment. Mm-hmm. And the girl who was the PA was there laughing because she thought I was doing my shtick that I was a part of whatever my shtick is. And this guy, was he was offended. I had uh, insulted him i you know i was undermining his wow. job and i in the moment i turned and I, and I looked for him for days afterwards and that same thing to attest apologize again and again wow because it was i was so fucking guilty of being an arrogant asshole so yes the answer is yes and i've, I've done it on and off my whole life i think
0: of- it's inherent i don't think it's really an asshole i think it's one of these things where we sometimes, maybe inadvertently, subconsciously, go like, ah, you know, I, you've done this for so long, the swagger, and I'm an actor, and I'm funny, and I make people happy, and I'm just like a good guy, and, I, and I'm and i just going to, my shit don't stink, and here we go, and uh, hey, and most of the time, it's funny, and it's good, and you're being nice to people, and sometimes it's belittling, or it could be come off. You couldn't be more right. And it's inadvertent. I mean, you'd yeah. hope it would be. You have, exi- yeah, I feel it from you. It's exactly... Because we don't mean harm, no, and and we roll. That's how we roll. I ahead. hate when so- It's like that one person in the room. They always say if a hundred people are laughing at you, ninety nine people are laughing, and the one person in the back thinks you're an asshole. You focus on that person. No, it's like bad reviews. Yeah, it's, it's bad reviews. It's, it's uh, I I we have empathy. Um, this is called shit talking. With Jonathan Frakes, these are my top-tier patrons. They get to ask questions. They're mm-hmm. amazing. They support the podcast. Go to patreon.com slash inside of you. I love you guys. Nancy D, Well, we love seeing you in front of the camera, you've gained quite a glowing reputation as a director. What was the most challenging aspect of first going behind the monitors? Ooh. Trying to make the schedule with the
1: amount of screwing around that the cast on Next Gen, including me, is famous for. Laughing between takes. Taking the piss out of each other. Constantly, because you know, Star Trek was serious, and Star Trek was generally very. So when when we were when we cut, there was wrestling, there was singing, there was all kinds <laughs> of shit. Patrick and Worf, uh, Dorn used to wrestle. What? And Brent would do do uh, like he we would, on Vegas, and he'd do a pretend mic cord, and and we were so bad that um, especially in the third, or fourth, or fifth season, the only time we would shut up was not um roll sound have speed camera none we're still yeah yeah, 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 yeah." you have to yell action number one we we went right up until the end of action and it drove fucking directors crazy and then when I was directing I thought
0: I get it and also early on you have to prove yourself yeah you, got you to, were trying to prove yeah, yourself but i, you I was very
1: it. lucky though i had i had a data show so i had brent spider was the he was the lead for the week and he's very reliable uh renee achevaria wrote the episode as a spec script who's now a big showrunner from also from castle and um i'd been shadowing for
0: almost three years right so i was really you re- were ready. i thought i was ready uh dave p how do you feel about the way star trek has gone with its latest shows I th- you mean, the uh,
1: the next next generation
0: or the the new show, well, Discovery, Discovery, Picard, Discovery and Strange Picard right.
1: I think they're uh, individually exactly what uh, Roddenberry would be thrilled to see. And uh, they have, they're all, they both have, all three of them have separate tones. What's really captured the audience, I think, is this uh, Strange New Worlds, which is with anson mount and ethan he's a good buddy of mine we did a little
0: indie together and uh, he did an episode of smallville and yeah he's great we did a whole season on discovery right he was
1: so so that was sort of the pilot was that season for so those two shows are very important And picard is as you probably know season three we're all back together so I have I have a very affectionate and appreciative and blessed feeling for all of the new when do you when do you shoot that when you're all together well, that's done that's done they, that's airs That's air at airs wins february 16 we dropped the first episode we're doing a premiere at man's chinese can i come you? yes you can come
0: where do you want to be what do you mean you want, want to go want to, to the premiere i mean yeah, it, i could put you on the list put me on the list if i'm in town i, I will go really are, are you, you tricky? i mean i know star trek i i, I watched the originals Definitely a lot of the originals, and I watched a lot of Generation. Now, you weren't even born. Deep Space World. Nine, I remember. Um, I, I watched some uh, the movies. I watched all the movies. Definitely more of a Star Wars fan, but Star Wars and Star Trek. There's way there's room for both. Sarah G. Yes, Riker's my favorite next generation character, hands down. Thank you, good sir, for joining. If you could be in any other character on Star Trek besides Riker, who would you be and why?
1: Data, the android, is my favorite character on the show. And what Brent does with it, and not only Data, he plays Data, Lore, Sung, who created Data, Alton Sung, who's the grandfather of the other. So he's played five or six variations on this character. I've, uh, he's a he's an amazing character, played by an amazing Activity. absolutely and we're, we're recording this on his birthday
0: I love that yeah um, by the way if I if you were new to Star Trek if people are listening to you and they go you know I don't really know Jonathan Frakes right. I don't watch all the Star Trek stuff I right. don't but you know they watch Castle there's so many other things you've done that they could go and watch but if they were to start Star Trek next generation right. what episodes jump out that you should see here's where you if you have if you don't have time to watch
1: under 82 hours of television Start with Best of Both Worlds Part 1, which is at the end of Season 3. And then it's a cliffhanger. And then Best of Both Worlds Part 2 is the beginning of Season 4. And it's it's as good as it gets for next
0: gen, I think. Awesome. A good answer, right? Good answer. Succinct. No one's asked you that, have they? Never. Really? Liar. My yeah, P, is there a storyline you wish had taken place on the Star Trek series? And if so, what is it? Oh, God. It's just a question. You don't have to I answer know. it. I mean, you know, they probably explored most stories. Yeah, maybe up. Uh, uh, maybe it? more. I, I loved the uh, the holodeck when
1: I, I got to play the trombone. But they they brought the trombone in, which was great. I think there was
0: an opportunity for more music, probably. Oh yeah. Right? Why didn't Picard ever have an affair with what's her name? Which one? Uh, Will uh mother. Well, maybe he did. Hmm. Do you think that's the subtext there?
1: Yes. Don't you? I hope so i don't think you would have asked the question if you didn't suspect
0: maybe charlene see last question what was it like filming north and south with patrick oh. swayze it was filmed a few hours from me in charleston what do you remember about him well that's when i fell in love with my wife Jeannie francis who mm. played the patrick swayze's sister
1: swayze was he was the mayor of charleston by the way when we were down there it was a it was the 80s need i say anymore he was Patrick Swayze and I loved him. He had a huge heart, very talented, great horseman, great man. Um, and he carried that. Show. I mean, he was, he was a good movie star. Yeah. You know what happened to him? He died from pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic cancer.
0: Where can people go if they want
1: to pancan.org? pancan.org there's support there there's a it's a it's a, it's one of the biggest killers well it, it's not only that it's the, the uh, survival rate is so shitty when my brother died it was a three percent survival rate now it's up to 12 which is a big deal so Swayze was awesome Charleston was awesome I remember taking my wife on or my wife Jeannie asking Jeannie out on a date and we went to 82 Queen Street and with the in the in the cast where uh kirstie alley was in the cast and she was like the 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 uh the gang leader you know and we'd all hang out together and go out dancing and all that stuff and i said to kirstie i really think i like Jeannie and she'd say it's okay freaks i think Jeannie likes you i think you should ask her out she was like we go to the the counselor for for advice it was a riot you remember that like it's yesterday oh i also remember david carradine was also in the show david carradine and patrick Swayze were in the 23rd floor of the hotel we were staying in and that was it, where the bar was. And I don't know what they were, what they had had, but there were big shutters. It was south. There were big shutters on the windows of this, of this uh, lounge or whatever it was in the hotel. And Swayze said, "I can fly." And and, and said, "Fuck you, I can fly." So they both ran towards the windows, and we had to tackle them both
0: oh my god you know what True i have a, story i have an animator sometimes that will animate clips of this podcast <laughs> and i think that right That's there, the i might have swayze and carol coming at you tell this i
1: can fly <laughs> fuck you i can fly
0: <laughs> this is amazing will you come back i will come back this has been a joy i i, I could talk to you forever it's so easy thank yeah, you, you, you for making the easy. house thank you very much thank you Guys, thanks for listening. I appreciate you. Uh, we're going to give a shout out to our top tier patrons now. Those are the folks who give back to the show in more ways than one. They keep the show going. Patreon.com slash inside of you. Uh, please help the show if you can. And if not, just listen to it and subscribe and tell everybody about it. Um, if you missed the intro, you might want to listen to some a lot of good information there. I don't need to repeat it. Do I, Ryan? Unless you want to. I mean, if people liked it, uh, you know. If people like hearing you talking you you could read the phone book and people i don't think that's cool true up. i think people get annoyed you want to try Um, let's see <laughs> <laughs> uh all i d- mentioned was that uh the inside of you online store has great merch like lexima scripts and a bunch of stuff go to sunspin.com for band merch our album just came out streaming everywhere um patreon.com inside of you to be a patron and um talkville podcast um you know check it out you know we're doing that. On, it airs Wednesday. We air Tuesday. we a the little episode, little uh, podcast that could, and uh, we couldn't do it without you. Write a review. I hope you like today's episode. Let's give let's give the shout outs. These are the top tiers, folks. We're gonna do it. Um. All right, you throw out a dialect. I'll see if I can do it. It a might be dialect. Bad.
1: Uh, it might be bad.
0: S- southern. Nancy D. Leah S, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, GLE, Brian H, Nico P, Robert B. English, British. Jason W, Sophie M, Kristen K, Raj C, Joshua D, Jennifer N, Stacy L, Jamal F. Well, I go New Zealand because we're, we're heading that direction. Mm, we? Can we go Australian maybe? Uh, sure. Gina Lopez, Janelle B., <laughs> Mike E., Elder Supremo, 99more, Santiago M., Chad W., Leanne P., Janina, Maya hmm. P., uh, Belinda, Belinda N., Dave H., Sheila G., uh, Brad D., German. Um, Ray H., let's see, let me können sie lesen und schreiben. Tabitha T., Tom N., Liliana A., Talia M, Betsy D, Chad B, da, Dan N, Angel M, Rhiannon C. Uh, Minnesota. Corey K. <clears throat> I have no idea. <laughs> Dev Nixon, Michelle A, Jeremy C, Brandy Brandy D. I don't, I don't know. Boston. Becky Cat and have it. Yeah, Camille S. Sm- Smetic. <clears throat> Joey M. No, New York, it's like it's like Boston pocket car, Eugene and Leah. I, I can't do it, sorry. Did they do New York then? New York, Eugene and Leah, Corey, Heather L., uh, Jake B., what is it, Angela F., Mel S., Orlando C., Caroline R., Christina S., Eric H., Shane R., Andrew M., Zatoichi, 77, Andreas N. It's Swedish. Oh, yeah. Oracle. Karina N. I don't do a Swedish. S- I'm from Sweden. Amanda R. I- I- Irish. Jen B. Kevin E. Stephanie K. Jarell, Billy S. and J. Lien J. Luna R. Cindy E. Mike F. Scottish. Stone H. Brian L. Katie B. Erin R. Kindle L, House J, Mary I Charlene C. Oh, <laughs> I don't we'll know Connor,
1: listen back for uh, verification. I, I, I don't know. Well,
0: he's Irish. All right, for the Irish for part. For the Irish part. But uh, guys, I can't uh, say thanks enough for uh, tuning in. I love you. Keep listening. Um, you know, we keep doing it. We'll just keep doing it as long as you love. Keep doing it and you keep supporting me. So I thank you. It was great to see all all the patrons in Dallas. I hope to see you guys in Atlanta. We'll be there in March fourth and fifth we're doing a smallville nights being welling on saturday night it's creation entertainment in atlanta so hopefully we'll see you there all right uh from myself michael Rosenbaum in the hollywood hills of california uh, i'm ryan taze i'm here too can you use you know you used to do the Tay, Ryan t-. Ryan all right no you used to go on yes the way you said, oh, uh, from the Hollywood Hills of California, well, I'm Brian Taylor. From I'm Brian Taylor, yeah. Taylor. The Hollywood Hills of California. <laughs> we love you guys. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. Dental Town. All right. <laughs> Be good to yourself.